beautiful humans. You bet it's new. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Billy Billy broadcast. You ask questions, I answer them. Tonight's going to be a little bit different. Instead of doing an AMA or me talking about a person from history or an item from history, I actually wanted to talk about a question that I've gotten a lot and I guess I just haven't addressed it in length to a point that makes sense to anybody. So this is dedicated to that. And the question I get asked a lot is, hey, what is this item worth? And my answer is always, it's about historical value, not monetary value. That never seems to satisfy anybody. So then sometimes when they say, how much is this worth? I try to change it up and I go, we don't talk about monetary values on this channel. That doesn't satisfy the other third of humans. So then I just have to kind of get sassy with it and I go, why does it matter? Are you trying to sell it? And sometimes when people ask about products that are my own, how much is that worth? And my answer is always, it's completely priceless. It's historically priceless. It is everything I could ever want it to be and more. Would I ever sell it? No. If I did, how much would I charge? I just told you, I'm never selling it. It plagues me nonstop. It's like every other comment lately. Oh my God, how much is this worth? Or people will tag me in videos, which I love, by the way, guys. Continue to tag me in your videos, showing me your pretties. But one of the questions that they always ask in their videos is, how much is this worth? And I have to be blunt. I find it so sad that people always ask, how much is that worth? Or they'll say things like, well, what's the big deal? It's just a piece of glass. I looked it up on eBay. You can buy them for $15 as if they're doing a sort of gotcha moment. Like, that's not that important. Why are you making a video on it? It doesn't cost that much. I never make videos on really anything that costs too much. I mean, I've, I've got a few items, I guess, in my collection that do cost a pretty penny on the open market, and that's fine and all, but I don't attribute more value to those items than I do items that maybe cost $5. Because to me, what gives something inherent value is all the steps it took to get where it is today. It is a double-edged sword, I will say that. I collect a bunch of items from the Victorian era all the way up until about 1960 is my sweet spot. I say sweet spot like it's small, but no, that's a very, that's like an 80 year spread of items that I like to collect. But it does focus around the Industrial Revolution and then the subsequent consumerism boom that occurred right after World War II. Part of that double-edged sword is that yes, I collect things that are from the Industrial Revolution up until 1960 when there was a big economic boom. It's money. It's tied to money. There's an economic boom and everyone has money. And now we're in a part of history where maybe we don't have as much money. The Industrial Revolution and the booms that happened afterwards conditioned all of our great-grandparents, grandparents, parents into a buying culture, a consumerist culture, um, attributing value as to how many items can you buy in your lifetime? Can you buy the biggest house? What kind of fur coats can you buy? Diamonds, jewels, and things with 
monetary value with a high return on investment. So what is it about these items in particular that fascinate me so much? I guess in a lot of my interviews I've been doing lately on podcasts and even, you know, talking on my own podcast, I have talked a lot about my history and where I come from and things I like about the items I own. But I guess I really haven't taken a full deep dive into exactly what it is about that 80 year span that makes my brain happy. So here's the answer you've all been waiting for. The items I collect came at a time where products were being made to last. Now, I know that sounds cliche as hell, but hear me out. So, with the Industrial Revolution, steel was a huge thing, and things were made to last. Um, They felt the impending doom of a market crash, which inevitably did happen, So products at that time were being made to last because they had to. If the product didn't last, then people didn't have the product. And then they would say bad things about your company. And then nobody would buy your product for fear that it would break when they really, really need it. This held people over until right after World War II. This mentality. We need to make things last. Or else our customers are going to be so pissed that they're going to go around bad-mouthing us and we're going to go under. And then right after World War II, there was this massive switch in thinking. Companies all of a sudden had all of their workers back from the war. Women returned to the home and production went up exponentially. Up until this point, since late 1939, there was a whole bunch of rationing going on. Rationing of food, rationing of makeup, rationing of steel, rationing of glass. You name it. If it wasn't for the war, it wasn't being made. With this newfound, pardon the phrase, but freedom uh, to go about doing what you want to do, a lot of business people had this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to actually make what they wanted Um, at a very low cost. But with the conservation mindset of their fathers and grandfathers from the turn of the century being, you must make a good product that lasts if you want to sell to the upper echelons of society. And the American people just ate that up. All of a sudden, you know, they have this opportunity to buy things. And not only do they have the opportunity, they also now have the money Right after World War II, there was a ginormous economic boom that allowed people to buy a house and buy all the homewares that go inside of said houses. This created an interesting cocktail of long-lasting, well-made American products versus consumerism. For the first time in American history, Americans were buying like with no strings attached. You want a house? Cool. You want bowls? Great. You look a car. With all this money floating around, you have all of these people who are making all of these new items and flooding the market. Now more than ever, choice is the word. And if your product isn't visually appealing as well as built well, you're going to get eaten by the sharks. I just find that fascinating. I really find that fascinating. I love stuff from the 1800s up until about 1933, around that time, specifically because people were just messing around. Everything had a purpose 
or no purpose at all. And those items are interesting and different. All the items I love from right after World War II is because of the insane amount of, you know, variety. You've got Pyrex, but then you've got Flameware, but then you've got Glassbake, but then you've got, it just goes on forever. It goes on forever. The amount of people producing milk glass at the time was just dumb. It was ridiculous. And then to, to pile on top of that, you had Corning, Glassbake, um, Jeanette Glass, all these companies that are now conglomerating together and making offshoot products on top of that. And then also third party and, you know, closed circuit selling their products to other companies. Hell, Pyrex licensed their goldenrod little butterflies, even though it's much later, to go on salt and pepper shakers I saw the other day. My friend Bill was out and he was like, this looks like a Pyrex pattern. I said, it is. What? What is that? And he was like, oh, it's, you know, salt and pepper shakers. I don't think it's Pyrex. I was like, it's not. Pyrex apparently just like loaned out just one license for one product on one run. And that's just how the culture was. So everybody went from an era of scarcity to an era of extreme middle class opulence. So let's bring it back around to the original topic at hand, which is why do we not talk about monetary value on my channel? If something came from between 1880 and, say, 1960, the sheer amount of brain power, invention, progress, and failures that went into making that product is so rich, how could you put a price on it? Absolutely. So one piece I talk about all the time is pink gooseberry. And I just find it to be so funny that I can take one item over here made the same year as a pink gooseberry item from Pyrex. And it'll sell for pennies on the dollar compared to what you can get the gooseberry for. Does that make the gooseberry any better than another Pyrex item? No. It just means that aesthetically right now, people want it. I think with this newfound interest in glassware, since I started TikTok, I've noticed a lot of people saying, I've never even thought about this stuff until your channel popped up. With this newfound interest, they're just looking at the market as it is right now, whereas people who have collected for a long time or people who are in, you know, selling or in the eBay circuit or what have you, it goes on forever, in an antique mall or have a lot of older generations in their life, they understand that the market ebbs and flows. I can guarantee you that the things that are popular right now are going to fall way out of fashion in two years, three years. I remember growing up and everybody thinking I was super weird for collecting oddities. Nobody could wrap their heads around it. They're like, that's weird. You collect funeraries? That's weird. You collect postmortem photos? That's weird. And all this other stuff. And now what? what what's happening now? What's happening now? A&E, History Channel, YouTube is just overrun with channels specifically targeting that market. And guess what? Everyone's making bank. I've got Vogue patterns from the 1930s, original, never opened in their package 
that I got from my grandmother. And when we first talked about possibly selling them on eBay, we didn't because all of the market value on them was really low. I think it was going for like $3 on eBay. If I tried to sell that exact same thing now with the resurgence of aesthetics coming from the 30s and 40s, I could easily sell that thing for 50 bucks. It's all about perspective. Because I could take that same item and go into a pawn shop and they would laugh me out of the pawn shop. Audience is everything. So why do we not talk about monetary anything on my channel? Because in the grand scheme of things, it's not real. Think about things you care about. Things that you find pretty. Things that make your heart happy. Things that you put energy into. I guarantee you they don't cost a lot. Say you've got a item from your childhood that you used to play with all the time. Could you sell it on eBay for money? What a silly question. You don't even think about that. Why would you care? It's your favorite toy from your childhood and it makes your heart happy because it has history with you. Well, the same way you might look at a toy like that is how I look at everything around me. Everything I touch, everything I look at, I'm fascinated by because of its history. I cherish everything I touch and look at as having a rich, deep history that is individual to that one item and must historically be preserved. I am of the school of thought that you cannot appreciate something to its full extent until you know the background about it. And that's all I'm trying to do with my TikTok. Let's be honest, is I'm just trying to show people and teach people about things that maybe they haven't considered the history of up until that point. The world is wonderful and interesting and amazing. You just have to be willing to open up your eyes and look around and see that for yourself. Get curious about weird stuff. I'm so serious. Get curious about weird stuff. I mean, hell, I'll even do it right now. To my right, I just grabbed my calculator. I look on the back. It says, Helict. I don't know what company that is. But it's got a past inspection sticker on it. That's really interesting. So I know that a human hand touched this at one point for manufacturing. I look on the back. Made in China. Hmm. When it says made in China, does it mean the parts were made in China and it was assembled 40% in America? Or was it fully assembled in China and then shipped in bulk water freight to the U.S.? It's stuff like that. I just wonder why this color choice. What year was it originally designed? Were those the Pantone colors that year? What? How many batteries does it have? One? Interesting. That means it probably wasn't used for a big office setting. This is more geared towards teenagers, college students, people that wouldn't need it for quite as long or for it to be as reliable. Why are the buttons so big? Maybe they're marketing this towards, you know, kids who need bigger buttons to press. Or maybe since the numbers are so large, they're marketing it towards an older generation who maybe can't see as well. Stuff like that is literally what rolls through my brain on a daily basis. I read everything. Lipstick, tubes, makeup, packaging. It just goes on forever. 
it's my daily life. Welcome to my brain. It's a very strange place. But I wish more people would take the time to be that curious about everything around them. I think they would find themselves a lot more satisfied with their lives if they cherished what's around them instead of necessarily, you know, looking ahead at what they could have. Now, that's not to say that goals aren't good because goals are wonderful, but I hope that the goals that all of you have are not only realistic and attainable, but also something you actually want. Ask yourself, are you making your goals based around what you think society wants you to do because that's what will make you feel more secure in society? Or are you making goals around things that truly make your heart happy? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have a giant house. What happens if you don't? Probably nothing big. And it's better to save some cash anyway so that you can maybe go eat a bigger meal with your friends one day when COVID's over. Or you can save up money for that new bicycle you were wanting. Or things that are going to positively impact your daily life. Or maybe you want to donate to charity. Who knows? It's your money. Do with it what you want. But I just hope that at the end of the day, you can look around and cherish everything you have around you. Know where it came from. And be able to look at it a different way. Why don't we talk about monetary values on my channel? Because at the end of the day, whatever makes you happy is priceless. That's all for this episode of the Billy Billy Broadcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I always have so much fun talking to you guys. These podcasts are going to be shorter from now on, um, unless we're doing an AMA. AMAs will usually be about 40 minutes long, but one-offs about one topic will usually be anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes long. They're posted every Thursday. You can find me on TikTok at BillyBillyB, or you can find me on Instagram at underscore BillyBillyB underscore. You can always message me there to say hello all right you guys i'll catch you next time i love you i'll see ya